Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor Gillian Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. No, my heart of my, it's great to have you joining with us. And I am so excited to share this message with you today. I really believe it's going to impact our lives, our daily lives, the everyday lives that we live. In this message are keys for how we should live. And I want you to know that you've all made this message. You've all been part of contributing to build this message. Arise, this is our message. And I believe it's part of our foundations as a church, part of what we're coming back to today. And I believe that as we talk about this, our lives are gonna be enriched and we're gonna be inspired. So that's my prayer today. Jesus, I ask that you would inspire us, that you would encourage us, and Father, that you would open our eyes to see that in the everyday and in the mundane, you have created purpose. We thank you for this. Amen. Amen. Just nudge the person next to you and say, get ready. We're going to have a great day. We're going to have a great time in church right now. I want to read to you from Revelation 3.20. It says this, Jesus said, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. It's amazing and beautiful that Jesus' first priority when we come to Him, our fir- His first priority when we get saved is that He would share a meal with us. He wants to come and eat with us. He wants to dine and dwell with us. I don't know about you, but that's revolutionary, that the King of this world, that the God of heaven and earth would say that when we open our heart to Him, He wants to have a meal with us. A meal is the setting that He chooses to enter our lives. Isn't that a beautiful thought that Jesus says, I'm into relationship with you, and I'm going to start by sitting down at a table and having a meal with you. I want to talk today about living like Jesus and the importance of the table. You know, Jesus says, I want to come face to face with you. I'm not an abstract God dwelling somewhere out there. I'm not a king who you cannot connect with. I'm a father in heaven who sits alongside you. I'm a father that looks you in the face. And as we look in the face of Jesus, something takes place on the inside of us. We are transformed. Our lives are turned around when we stare in the face of Jesus. Coming face to face is an important part of our growth as individuals. You know, the Bible describes time and time again how Jesus would recline at a table. In fact, the Pharisees used to accuse him, you know, you spend so much time feasting. They thought it was an accusation that he was going around feasting all the time rather than fasting. But the Bible says over and over that Jesus chose to sit at tables. And he sat at so many tables. He never got tired of it. He was committed to it, and he understood the importance of it. When Jesus turned up at a table, amazing things would happen. Things that were not ordinary, things that were unexpected, miracles would take place when Jesus sat at the table. You know, the table speaks of the way that we live our lives. The table is literal, but it is also a metaphor for how we do relationship with each other. When Jesus sat at the table, he'd put on flesh and blood, he'd moved into the neighborhood, and he said, I come to do life alongside you. I've come to hang out with you. 
and he calls us to live in the same way. See, Jesus was at so many meal tables. He had dinner at Mary and Martha's house, and we hear about how Martha was distracted with the dinner preparations. But Jesus was looking forward to the meal. We see Jesus at a dinner in Lazarus's honor. He had dinners with sinners, as the Pharisees accused him of time and time again. He had meals with his disciples. He shared lunch with 5,000. He had intimate communion supper. He was dining one day and dying the next. He roasted fish on a fire. In fact, he appeared and had meals with people three times after he had been resurrected. Meals have always mattered to Jesus. Fellowship has always mattered. Turning up and being face-to-face has always mattered to Jesus. You know, one of the great promises that Jesus gives us when we give our life to him, not only does he start our salvation by saying, I want to share a meal with you, he promises that when we go to heaven, that one of the first things we're going to do is we're going to sit down at a wedding feast, the great wedding feast of the Lamb. See, our salvation story begins and ends with a meal. Can I hear an amen from all the food lovers out there? Sounds like a good thing to me, don't you think? That the kingdom of heaven is celebrated with joy, with feasting, and with coming face to face, not only with God, but with one another. You know, uh, I just want to share this quick infographic because I think it paints something about where Jesus ministered. This is a, a pie graph, but it shows us where Jesus spent his time. And you can see on this graph that 22% of his time was spent ministering in churches, in the synagogues and temples. He was preaching and teaching and sharing the word of God. And then he was out and about in towns and villages and on the seashores. But the same amount of time, another 22% was spent in homes. He spent as much time ministering in private as he did in public. See, he valued being face to face. He valued sitting at a table with people in their homes. I want to ask you, does this show you how important the table is? See, if Jesus is our pattern, if he is the one that we are to follow, as we follow Christ and become Christ-like, that perhaps his priorities should be mirrored in the way that we live our lives, in the way that we extend invitations to be in the very core of who we are coming face to face. Look, I want to tell us all that we're talking about literal tables, but the table is also symbolic. We must learn to share our very lives, to share who we are, to come close to one another, to not be distant from one another. See, the table speaks of a place where we share our heart, where we laugh, where we cry, where we talk about what we're going through, where we share our thoughts and our feelings, where we talk about what God's doing in our lives in this time. It's a place where we listen to others, where we bond, and where we can dream together. Here come the dreamers. Sitting at a table is a way that our hearts are connected to each other. And the table is the representation of the importance that we find in relating one to another, the importance in hanging out with one another. You might not have an actual table, but you can hang out with others. You can spend time with others. You can walk and talk. You can be with other people. And this face-to-face -face connection is so vital to the growth and the transformation of each of us as we work out our Christian maturity. 
You know, it's really amazing, isn't it, to see how the devil, the enemy of our soul, has worked to disconnect a generation from each other. We are in the generation of the advent of TV dinners, where people would literally sit and eat alone, where people grab a takeout or a drive through meal. They take their little packs of sushi, and it's a solo pursuit. See, we live in a generation where disconnection and isolation have come in like never before. And my friends, this is the strategy of the enemy of our soul to hold back our growth, our maturation, and our ability to sow into the lives of others. See, we are not to do life alone. We are not to be isolated. Jesus came to dine and dwell with us, and that we would also learn to dine and dwell with others. It is so important that we do not subscribe to isolating, withdrawing, pulling ourselves back from true and meaningful relationship. Have you ever considered the fact that God designed our bodies and he designed us to eat? Now, I'm, John said that I was nerding out here, so I'm just going to nerd out for a moment on this point, because I think it's so cool, and he's like, you should cut it, and I'm like, I can't cut it, it's too good, so this is my little sideshow nerd out moment, okay? <laughs> See, in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis 2 verse 9, the Bible says, the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. See, God did not just create things for their function. The tree was good for fruit, but it was pleasing to the eye. See, the tree was not merely functional, it had beauty. And when God creates something, it is with multiplied purpose. He has more than one purpose in mind for the way that He has designed things. So my friends, when it comes to eating, He has more than one purpose. It is not just for function. It is not just for nutrition. It is for the beauty of fellowship. It is for the beauty of sitting across the table. It is for the beauty of dining and dwelling together, sharing a meal. God was into form and function. Multiply purpose exists behind our eating. Now, I can hear some hallelujahs because you generally eat three times a day. And it is not just a function of our lives, but it is part of the beauty that God has designated to be in our lives. You see, there is meaning behind our eating. Eating represents these things, fellowship, camaraderie, communion, connection. These are the tables that we need. You know, Jesus dwelt among us. We live in an age of loneliness and if we don't see that, we're not seeing clearly. This quarantine season for many people has highlighted another level of isolation. But the truth is that we've been isolated long before this happened. There has been a withdrawing where we text rather than talk, where we post rather than share, where we interact at a surface level to receive surface responses. But Jesus is saying, come on, you're made for so much more. You're designed for connection. You're designed to go deeper than the surface. See, what I want to ask today is, does our busyness stop our connectedness? See, we can get so busy. We can get caught up in activity that we forget what really matters. And God says what really matters is relationship. 
Relationship with Him and relationship with others. See, have we been inviting people into our lives? Have we been extending an invitation? See, Jesus was the busiest person that ever lived upon the earth. He had three years to do his public ministry. And then it comes time for the Last Supper. And in an upper room, Jesus sets aside an evening to come and sit at a table with his disciples. And in fact, he actually served them, washing their feet. But you see, Jesus had the crushing weight of the cross bearing down upon him. He was going to die, and yet he sat and dined. He took the time to sit at a table. He took the time to serve his disciples. He took the time to be face to face, to speak to hearts, to bring challenge, to give instruction, to set up the future. Even with the weight of what was to come, he took the time to sit with others. I want to say to us that we cannot use busyness as an excuse to isolate and to be cut off from the relationship that God would have for us in Christ Jesus. For each one of us, we must examine the excuses that we make about our busyness, about the choices that we make to hide from others or to disconnect. We must understand that the table matters, the table of friendship, the table of camaraderie, the table of communion. It matters, it matters, it matters, because tables are transformational places. Tables are transformational places. Today I want to talk about five things that the tables do in our lives. I want us to take us through what we see happening in Scripture in the life of Jesus in different scenarios and different settings that show us just how important the table is and what the table achieves in our lives when we allow it to. The first thing is the table is a place of acceptance. God wants to do a work that goes deep in our hearts, that we would know that we know that we are accepted by Him. He stresses it throughout the Bible that we would know that we are adopted in the Beloved, that we are seated in heavenly places, that we have become His child, that we're sealed with His Holy Spirit. Jesus wants us to know acceptance, and we find it at the table, and we are able to offer it to others. You see, when we display acceptance to others by inviting and including, we show the acceptance of Christ towards them. We reveal the love that Christ has for them. See, in Luke 15, 1, it says this, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Jesus accepted them. Matthew 9, verse 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Oh, can you hear their voices dripping with hate? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Jesus said, I will eat with anyone who is hungry 
for my presence. I will eat with anyone who is thirsty for change. I will eat with anyone who recognizes they have a need that is yet to be filled. See, when we sit at the table with Jesus, He fills the greatest need of our lives, which is to belong. We belong to Him and we belong with others. When we extend an invitation to our table, we are extending the acceptance of heaven. We are cementing in that person's life. You might be seen as this. You might have had this happen in your past, but just like Jesus hung out with the scum we hang out with people not because of who they are or what they've done. We hang out with them because it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. And at our table, when people find acceptance, they will find healing and health for their very soul. They will find a restoration that they have been longing for and searching for. They will find what they need because they will find in us the love of God. Amen. Amen. You know, God wants us to extend an invitation. There might be a teenager who needs your invitation. There might be somebody, a solo mum out there who needs your invitation. She's looking after her kids all on her own, and she needs some grandparents to adopt her kids. You know, we've seen time and time again through the life of our church how when we invite and include and when we accept people, we bring so much life into their lives. The second thing that the table reveals, the table transforms, is that tables are places of connection. And again, I'm not talking about a surface connection. I'm not talking about a, hey, how are you? And then we move on to the next thing. You know, our society can be so flippant, so surface oriented. I'm talking about a connection that goes deeper, that cuts deeper, that goes deeper. A connection of the heart. I wanna share to you what happened on, when Jesus walked on the road to Emmaus. You know, Jesus had been crucified and was resurrected. And there he is with two disciples walking along the road, walking on a dusty road. And they're talking and they're thinking about Jesus. And Jesus comes alongside them and just starts to talk to them. He begins to open up the scriptures and talk about how he had to suffer and die and then be resurrected three days later. And the Bible says that then they stopped and they broke bread and they shared a meal. And when he blessed the food, he disappeared and their eyes were open and they realized we were just walking with the Lord. But the Bible says that as they walked and talked, our hearts were burning within us. Man, when he was talking, we were coming alive. When he was talking, there was fire that was coming on the inside of us. We didn't feel the same anymore. Some transformation was taking place. Our faith was enlarging. Things were shifting in our lives as we talked to Him. See, when we have that kind of connection, our hearts begin to burn. Passion is alighted as we understand that we have a place, we have a purpose, that people care about us and want to see everything that God has for our lives come to pass. Oh, may your hearts burn within as you meet together at tables, as we spend time in relationship, as we hang out walking on the dusty roads. As we hang out in the places and spaces of our lives, may our hearts burn within us that we get fired up about each other, about what God is doing and about the world around us. The third thing that happens at the table is we find they are a place of challenge. In John 21, the resurrected Jesus stops at a beach on the shore of Galilee and all the disciples have gone back to what they know. They're all out fishing Jesus tells them, throw down your nets, and they get some fish, and Peter starts, the light comes on, he realizes who's on the shore. But I love this, because Jesus is making brunch with the boys. Yeah. 
He's roasting fish on a fire. He sits down. He's created warmth. He's built a fire. He's chilling out, making the boys breakfast. And as they come in from the water, they gather around this fire. They eat together. Jesus eats together with him, bread and fish. And then once they've related, once they've connected, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, would you feed my sheep? And what Jesus does is he brings Peter a challenge. Peter, you disowned me three times. And so Jesus says three times, Peter, will you feed my sheep? He's bringing him an offer of restoration. He's bringing him back to his purpose. He's aligning him to his kingdom call. But he doesn't just do it in a harsh manner. He's created warmth, communion, fellowship, intimacy. The table is a place where our challenge can have an impact because it's a heart challenge. It's done out of love. It's done out of a desire that that person would be discipled to be what Christ has called them to be. See, maybe, maybe in our lives, we need to adopt this way of bringing challenge rather than amping ourselves up, psyching ourselves up to lay down what's wrong with someone. We take a chill pill. We roast some food on the beach. I think I'm going to tell John that when I'm misbehaving, when I'm misbehaving, he needs to have brunch at the beach with Bay, and that will fix everything. Any other girlfriends out there feeling me like, yes, husband, take me to brunch. You can tell them it's the word of the Lord. But you know, in our marriages, in our relationships, I believe that this is how we transform and bring people closer to Christ. Tables, and number four, are places of transformation. And I want to take a moment to dwell on this word, transformation. See, we're called to become more like Christ. We're called to become more like Him, but that only happens when we change. And changes can be incremental, and they can also be overnight miracles. And when Jesus turns up at our table, when Jesus turns up in our lives, when we sit down to have a meal with Jesus, that transformation is complete. But also when we relate to others, we can bring transformation in their lives in the smallest ways and in big ways. In Luke chapter 19, we come across an interesting man, a short man, a disliked man, a, again, a disreputable man, a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was corrupt. And out of every person in that village, he was the most disliked, the most hated, the most vilified. And he was entrenched in who he was. There was really no way out of who he was. He couldn't see a way past his present into his future. He didn't know how to change. He didn't think he could change. But Jesus comes through his village, and Zacchaeus climbs a tree to try to see Jesus. He wants to see what all the fuss is about. And as Jesus walks under the tree, I love that. He looks up, and there's Zacchaeus peering down, and Jesus goes, Hey, I need to go to your house for dinner. Hey, I'm coming over to your place. And, you know, this is the person that everybody hates. Jesus doesn't care what other people think because he understands that if he spends time with them, they can be transformed. So he turns up at Zacchaeus' house, and Zacchaeus not only is there, he invites all his notorious friends. Again, Jesus was the friend of sinners. Jesus is having dinners with sinners again and again, and the religious leaders did not like it. There he sits at dinner, and the minute that Jesus begins to look him in the face, he comes face to face with Christ it changes his heart. And he says, right now, because he was greedy, he was taking all the taxes, he was robbing people, he was stealing. Why? Because he trusted in money. 
He trusted in wealth. He trusted in what he could see. But when Jesus is face to face with him, he is set free. He is set free from his fears. He's set free from a lack of security that he was trying to find in money. He is set free from greed. He is set free from everything that had held him back. And he says, here and now, I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor. And I'm also going to repay anybody that I wronged. I'm going to pay them back four times over. He was going to make restitution for his wrongs. He was going to put things right. And he was also willing to follow Christ. Salvation had come to his life. See, tables, meals, sitting together, doing relationship together. Jesus took the time and it brought the most amazing transformation. And consider the fact that it wasn't only Zacchaeus' life that was changed, but all the people that he was bringing restitution to. See, when we sit at a table, there's multiplied purpose, multiplied purpose. There will be more accomplished than we see even in that moment when we sit dining and dwelling together. Number five, meals were a place of miracles. And I want to say today, there can be a miracle at your table. In fact, there should be. Jesus set the pattern again and again of miracles at the table. We can believe for the supernatural to take place at our table. Now think about it. The very first recorded miracle that Jesus ever did happened where? At the table. That's right. The very first recorded miracle of Jesus was at a wedding feast. And they'd run out of wine. Humiliation was their portion for this couple as they started their married life. They were going to be humiliated in front of their entire village. And Jesus, in compassion, grace, and love, turns the water into wine. And He blesses them with such abundance that He would have set them up for their married lives and their future. He brought a transformational miracle into their lives at a table. What about feeding the 5,000? If that's not the supernatural taking place at a meal, then I don't know what is. Jesus took a small loaf and some fishes and turned it into a meal for thousands. There have been moments when I've prayed over my meal table that God would cause it to supernaturally be abundant. When I've underestimated how much I've prepared with the number of people that have turned up, it's always amazed me that somehow God has done a multiplication miracle and there's always been enough. And if not, the kids have had wheat bix. So, you know, kids always love wheat bix, right? You can't go wrong. But there is a miracle that can take place at our table. God wants to reveal the power of God over a meal. And I know that I have joked, but the truth is supernatural things don't just take place in church services. Supernatural things take place at the tables of our lives. So you want to read Hebrews 13:2. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. See, our acceptance and invitation of others can lead to the supernatural visiting our table. An angel turning up at your table is a supernatural occurrence. Why would we be given this instruction? Show hospitality to strangers. You might entertain an angel. There are two reasons we're given this instruction. One is so that we would understand there can be supernatural things happening at our table. And the second is, we wouldn't judge a book by its cover. That when we look at a person, when we look at a stranger, we would look for the gold on the inside of them. 
we would look for what's special and unique about them, that we would see the God call in their lives, that we would look at this person and see that they are made in the image of God, that there's a divine fingerprint that's marked them and set them apart, that we would look for the supernatural that's in their lives that God wants to do through them. See, God wants us to look at people with wonder. He wants us to see the strangers, that every person we would bring to our table, there is gold to be dug for. There is gold to be drawn out. And this is why we have given this injunction to have people in our lives, to build relationship with others. We must invite others to our tables. Why wouldn't you do that today? Why, why wouldn't you invite someone to your table? Maybe you fear rejection. Maybe you're worried that they'll just say no. Well, Jesus invited a lot of people who said no. And in fact, even God the Father sends out His invitation through the earth. And there are people that still refuse to come and sit at His table. But it can't hold us back. Fear of rejection can't hold us back from extending this invitation. See, if we have found Jesus, then we must lead others to this well of life. We must lead others to experience Christ in His fullness, just like we have. Proverbs 11.4 says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. I want to tell you there is a miracle at your table. Tables are transformational places. You see, today I want to say to each one of us, the table is the answer to our empty heart. The table is our place of connection. It's a place of connection in a disconnected world. And when we come and we take our seat here at the table, then we know, we know that we belong. We know that we're seated and celebrated. And the Bible says that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that we have an authority that comes when we choose to sit. Don't avoid the table. Don't refuse to come. So many people just don't sit at the table. Jesus waits for us here. He's already present. His Holy Spirit waits. His presence is there. And He's longing for us to come and sit. We need to fight the desire to hide. That's what Adam and Eve did. They hid in the garden. They wanted to hide away. And when we don't sit, maybe it's because we're hiding. We don't want to reveal perhaps the things that need to change because we know we sit at the table, we're going to have to change. It's a transformational place, the table. We can't stay as we are. Come, every person today, would you come and sit at the table? Nohomai ki te tepu. Come and sit at the table. Come and sit at this table that God has prepared. See, Psalm 23, 5 says this. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. See, the table's already prepared. It's already set out for us. God's already done the work. He says that this is a table in the presence of your enemies. The table is where we will find freedom from oppression. We find deliverance when we sit at the table. Those things that have bound our hearts, those things that have bound our spirit, those things that have been limiting us, we find this freedom when we come and sit at the table. You anoint my head with oil. There is an anointing that we find at the table. 
an anointing that we can't find anywhere else. Even Jesus in the Bible was anointed three times at a table. It's amazing. He received heavenly anointing from his father, you are my son, but he also sat at tables and received anointings, an anointing for his burial. There is an anointing that will come over our lives, an anointing, my friends, that you can only receive when you sit in his presence, when you sit and feast with him, when you sit and allow him to fill the needs and the longings in your heart. And there, the Bible says, is overflow. Abundance, satisfaction, completeness, belonging, where you know that you're accepted, where you know that you're valuable, where you know that you're loved, where you know that you're precious, where you know that you're treasured by God. And when you sit in this place, then you're able to bring this to others. I want to ask each and every one of us today, have we been sitting at the table? Have we been communing with God? Are we allowing Him to saturate every part of our lives? Are we allowing Him to pour His blessing over us? Are we allowing Him to come and be part of our lives? You know, I just know, I was, I was praying about this, and I just know that even now, that there is someone in you isolated. There is someone and you've been struggling with feeling isolated and alone. But Jesus is inviting you to the table with Him. And I felt the Lord say that even as you've been in a season of isolation, temptations and struggles that you'd overcome have flared back up. There's been some temptations because temptation always comes in isolation when we're alone. See, the devil prowls around like a raging lion trying to get that person on their own. The tempter comes when we're isolated. And I know there's someone that I'm talking to today and you've been isolated and the devil's tried to rear up that temptation, my friend. You don't face it in your own strength. You face it by coming face to face with him. Change will happen in your life when you allow yourself to not hide, to not fight, but to come and dwell and sit at the table. Noho mai ki te tepu, come and sit, come and sit. I want to say to every person today, why don't you come and sit? You're not alone. Jesus won't leave you alone, but His presence is waiting for you. I just want to pray for us right now. Wherever you are, just close your eyes. Just receive from His presence. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you prepared a table in the presence of our enemies. I thank you that we dwell right now in your loving kindness. Father, I ask that loneliness that has bound us would fall off in this moment. Father, that fear of rejection, that Father, temptation, God, you would cause it to loose its grip off us as we come and sit with you. It's a heart choice right now. Just receive his love, receive his acceptance. Let him cover you with his hand. May you know right now his closeness. He's come to draw near to you. And I pray right now for assurance to flood your heart, for freedom to come, and for a fresh anointing, a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor Gillian Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at Gillian Cameron.